Now, we continue with Mile High Magazine. Here's your host, Murphy Houston. And welcome into another edition of Mile High Magazine. I am Murphy Houston. We're glad you're here. Hope you're having a good Sunday. Joining me today is Travis Smith, who's the CEO and founder of Impact Locally. And you guys aren't going to believe how big this organization is, and you may have never heard about them. I've been in Denver, Travis, 32 years doing radio. I never heard about you. I'm going into the word. I was talking to somebody, and they said, have you ever talked to Travis Smith of Impact Locally? I'm going, who and what? And now, as soon as I heard it, I go, he's coming in here. we got to talk to you and find out how Impact Locally started and how massive it is already, because you really haven't been at it that long. No, I, this May will be nine years. So that's that's chump change based on other nonprofits Correct. that have been out there years and years and years. So let's talk about Impact Locally, how it started, and then sure. we'll go from there. Sure. So uh, basically September of 2009, a very different guy than the guy sitting across you know, from you. Um, at that time, I was a multimillionaire, um, and I um, wasn't somebody who honestly gave back to the community that much. Right. Um, I was a little bit selfish. And then I came back after my dad passed away, um, to find out my ex-business partner was embezzling from me. Oh. And I literally went from being a millionaire to being homeless. And you're we, kidding. No, not at all. Wow. Um, and when I saw the realities behind homelessness and, you know, because I operated like a lot of people off of a really a lot of old myths, things like, oh, homelessness is a choice or homeless people are a bunch of al- alcoholics and addicts. And when I saw that that wasn't the case and that a lot of these people are just people that have gotten into bad situations, have uh, been laid off or economics or just number of different situations, I got started getting together with my friends in May of 2010 and we just pitched in whatever we had that month and we would make sack lunches, go down by the shelters downtown in Five Points and hand the lunches out. And after doing that for about five or six months, I looked around and went, okay, the five of us are just pitching in, you know, 100, 150 bucks a month. And we're feeding about 150 people well, yes. uh, a month. Right. And I'm like, this isn't as expensive as I thought it would be to feed somebody a full lunch. Because we were doing you know, a sandwich, chips, cookies, or some type of, of dessert um, and a, a, a drink. And so I was like, you know, for about a dollar a lunch, that, that's pretty cheap. And so I just started going on social media and said, hey, anybody want to join me? On the third Sunday of the month, I'm going to make these lunches in my house. Come on over and, you know, we'll go hand them out. Uh, within about, you know, two or three months, we had 20, 30 people wow. making 500, 600 lunches. Uh, fast forward now eight and a half years, um, we feed, you know, tens of thousands of people, um, you know, every month uh, in 10 different cities. And this was uh, just an original idea. You weren't copying anybody just out of the kindness of your heart. You started this yeah. with your buddies. Yeah, I mean, the the one thing that was really important to me that I thought was kind of unique in the beginning was for me, because of my experience and the food that I saw being handed out to the homeless, you know, from when I was homeless, um, I wanted to do quality over necessarily quantity. Sure. So one thing that was really important to me was I wasn't going to use peanut butter and jelly. Nothing wrong against those organizations that do, but just if you're homeless, you eat a lot of peanut butter and jelly and not a lot of meat, not a lot of, of cheese. And so I went, okay, I want to have a meat and cheese sandwich. I, I want to have food that 
I would want to eat because my goal is when somebody sits down and eats one of our lunches, if they can for you know even 30 seconds to a couple of minutes, that they forget that they're homeless, that they're actually enjoying the meal that they're eating. Right. And it's not just fuel. It's not just, okay, I'm starving. Let me put something in my belly. It's, wow, this actually tastes good. And so, I mean, that's one of the reasons why uh, I decided very early on that I wanted to include some type of a dessert. Uh, I had an experience when I was in the military that when you eat what's called MREs, which stands for meal ready to eat, right. um, there's always a little dessert inside of every MRE. And you will literally trade your entire meal <laughs> to somebody just to get their dessert. You'll be like, hey, dude, uh, I'll give you the spaghetti and meatballs for that brownie. <laughs> and so I went, okay, I want to have some type of dessert. So, um, you know, we're very fortunate that... Um, we're able to do that, and yeah, it's so we've we've kind of been dubbed the gourmet lunches uh, for a long time. And you're still doing the SAC program, right? Oh, yeah, SAC absolutely. lunch program. That's yep. just part because you've grown tremendously. I was checking out your website, and you have like many facets of what you do under your umbrella of impact locally, and you're doing a lot more for the homeless. Let's talk about how that lunch program has expanded to other ways you've helped. So one of the things that was always a core mission, again, going back to the when you're eating a lunch, you forget that you're homeless, it, it was to restore humanity. It was that... Because that's when you're homeless, that's one of the things that you face. And probably one of the hardest things to deal with is you don't feel human anymore. You feel like people look at you as either you're invisible or you're trash or you're beneath. And so I wanted people to forget that or to help repair that if we could. And so the second two programs we developed uh, were, were a clothing program. We started off with a, a program called Keep Colorado Warm, which was the idea was actually just simple. Get jackets, sweaters, hoodies, beanies, gloves, and anytime uh, it snowed in Colorado, we would load up a bunch of trucks, go out and hand out that. Um, and then over the last six and a half years, that's kind of morphed into what we launched this year, which is called the Humanity Store, which is a free clothing and hygiene store down in Five Points um, where anybody in need can come and get clothing for free and these clothing articles are donated Correct. by people and do they have an opportunity to wash them and clean them or are they're like brand new yeah no we require that the clothing is clean um if not we have laundry services as well but it's something that uh, we we actually go through every article of clothing inspect it um, it's really important and i tell my staff and my volunteers all the time just like the food, if we wouldn't eat it, we won't hand it out. If we wouldn't wear it, we won't hand it out. Love so I love it's got to be something that, you know, because we do get a lot of people who will donate clothing. And they'll go, well, you know, they're homeless. What do they care? No, they're a human being and they right. we should care. Right. And so it's something that um, we always want to make sure that everything we're handing out, whether it's clothing, food, hygiene items, anything um, is something we would take in ourselves if someone handed it to us. We so, treat other people how we want to be treated. So the clothing is for just adults or is it kids or men, women, everybody? So right now, just adults, uh, mainly because the store we have is a pretty small store. So we have enough for hygiene items clothing, uh, blankets, um, camping gear like backpacks, sleeping bags, that kind of stuff. Unfortunately, we're not to the point yet where we have a kids section. That's one of our goals for sure. 2019, but we're not quite there yet, and that's just going to come with additional funding. Well, it 
you got a lot of growth room there, don't you? Now? <laughs> we do. For sure. But you do work with kids. Talk about some of the stuff you do for kids. Sure. So about four years ago, um, I got in a hit and run accident and shattered my forearm and I couldn't, you know, go to the gym. I couldn't work out, but I'm an avid outdoor person. And so uh, because I only had the use of one arm, I said, okay, you know what? I'm going crazy sitting on my couch. I'm just going to start hiking. And, you know, I was hiking three, four times a week, really simple, easy trails because I was worried, you know, if I fall, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't have really a way to, to get up and everything else. And so um, I just started doing that. And after doing that for about two weeks, I went, you know, why am I not renting a van, going down to the shelter and bringing, you know, people with me up here because hiking can be very therapeutic for a lot of people. And then I started doing some research on children that are living in shelters and how they suffer from PTSD, anxiety, depression. They're more likely to get asthma. There's just so many um, physical and mental ailments that they're dramatically more likely to have than adults. And so I went, okay, uh, we're going to create a program that takes kids specifically hiking. And we created HIKE, which stands for Helping Impact Kids Explore. And with the idea of getting kids out of the shelter, getting them around um, the outdoors. So in the spring and summer, we take them up to trails up in the mountains. And then in the wintertime, we take them uh, snow tubing up in Frazier, which oh, is the last. Yeah, it is. And, um, yeah. and so, and then one of the things that was important you know, because a lot of these kids don't have a lot and the parents don't have a lot was we wanted them to have a takeaway because these kids are in school. And so all the kids doing it get a brand new pair of shoes. They get a brand new backpack. If it's a summer or spring event, uh, if it's a winter event, they get a brand new winter jacket. And so that way, one, they have something beyond that. Um, and they also have something to be, be proud of when they do go to school. They don't they don't have those shoes that are, have holes in them or falling right, apart. Right. So you're doing that now then? You do it Correct. every weekend, once a month? How do you... So the, the most of our volunteer events um, are once a month. So like our hike event is the second Saturday of the month. Uh, sack lunches is the third Sunday of the month. Our sheer impact event is the third Sunday of the month. Um, then our laundry service is the uh, fourth um Fourth Saturday of the month, and then we have the Humanity Store open three days a week. Well, and, and let's just back up a minute because you do so many things. <laughs> let, let's let's. We're, by the way, we're talking with a Travis Smith, CEO and founder of Impact Locally. Talk about the laundry service. I read about that. I thought that is one of the coolest things. Why didn't I think of that? Well, again, it's it's we want to help people feel humane, and that's it's one of the things when you're homeless. You, you're wearing the same clothing you might have been wearing for the last week, or you might only have one change of clothing. And so we wanted people to have the opportunity to do laundry. And so we partnered up with two laundromats downtown and said, okay, you know, we'll supply the soap. We'll, you know, give people passes to where they can come in and do laundry. They get to do a load of laundry on us. And so, um, yeah, they get to do that once a month and it's an awesome program. Well, I'll bet it's packed. Uh, not as badly as you would think, but yeah, it is definitely busy. But that's why we did two laundromats instead of one so that, you know, it's not overwhelming. So the homeless come in and yep. they wash the clothes that they're dragging around with them, trying to find shelter or whatever. And yep. then they clean everything up and they're like new. Yeah. That's a great thing. That's a, that's a good idea. I hope that expands. I don't know why that impacted me so much when I read. What a great idea that is. Thanks. Because he's, like you said, they're human. Right. They, they need to have the advantages that we have well people don't realize 
you know, and I, I always give this example. Imagine you're trying to go get a job because people always say, well, you know, you have two arms, two legs. Why can't you just go get a job? And it's like, okay, imagine you're trying to go get a job, but you're wearing the same clothing you've been wearing for the last week, two weeks, and it hasn't been laundered in that amount of time. And so just anybody, it's going to create, you know, some bit of smell or some look. And so it's something that just having the ability to launder your clothes can boost your confidence. It can, you know, make you feel better. Health-wise, it's actually more healthy for you. I to have, think. You know, you know. Yeah. So it's something that um, it has a lot of effects. And so, yeah, it was really important for us um, to have a laundry program um, so that people had the ability to launder their clothing. Where are these laundromats? I mean, maybe folks listening now know some homeless people that could use that. Yeah, so there's uh, one laundromat, uh, which is down near uh, 20th and Park Avenue, and then there's another laundromat that's right across the street from the Auraria campus um, over off of Colfax. Oh, sure, I know. I think I've seen that one before yep. over there. Good for them. I'm glad they're helping out. And I noticed, too, and I think this is so important, you know, mental health is a a big topic these days, right. as it should be. And you have this thing called curbside counseling. Let's talk about that. What is it? How did it start? What's it all about? Sure. So it started from my own personal experience. When I was going through everything, I was trying to find resources and to get help. And a lot of places, you would get these lists uh, of resources and they would say, okay, you know, all these places can help you. And then you would go to that place and they would go, you know, we help men, but we only help single fathers or we only help addicts. Or we, oh. And so you would bounce from place to place to place and going, okay, you don't help me. You don't help me. You don't help me. And so I was going, okay, these lists can be really frustrating. And a lot of times they cause people to give up hope. And so I wanted to create a resource counseling program where someone could sit down and they could individually interview a person and for about 45 minutes to an hour, find out what their specific situation is, how they became homeless, what they're doing right now. Do they have an ID? Do they have Medicaid? Do they have a phone? And help them navigate through those resources with resources that we actually know we deal with, we, we have contacts at, and we know they can get help. So we're not sending them to some place. Like, for example, if I'm sending somebody to a job and they have a background issue, I'm not sending them to a place where they're going to be background checked and, oh, man, I came to this job interview and oh, I got denied. Or, you know, I'm, I'm a single mother, but, oh, you only help, you know, single mothers dealing with abuse oh, I'm not dealing with abuse, sure, and sure. then they get rejected. So we wanted to create a program where we tailor and and guide them through these resources, and, and not only that, so that we can help them get out of homelessness. Because once you figure out where somebody's at and what they need, what we do is we create weekly goals for them so that each week, so for giving an example, week one might be, I'm going to help you get an ID, I'm going to help you get you know Medicaid. Then week two, I'm going to help you get a, 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 what's called a lifeline phone, which is a free phone. And then I'm going to help you with your resume. Week three, I'm going to help you get a job. And then our agreement with them is once they get the job, they have to get themselves to the interview. But once they get the interview and we can confirm they've got the job, we'll buy them a 10-day bus pass. Because we want to make sure they can get to sure, work and that sure. they have the opportunity to work. And then after those 10 days, we call and with the company and go, hey... How are they doing? Are you guys going to continue to work with them? Yep, we are. 
Uh, we love this person. Okay, cool. Now we'll buy them a 30-day bus pass because, again, we want to make sure not only, one, they can get to work, but also that they're saving everything that they're making because one of the things we teach people early on is how to budget and how to, to get out of homelessness right. And because it's not as easy as people think. People think, oh, it's just, you know, oh, I'll get a job and I'll be out. You face daily stresses and activities and everything else that – make it incredibly hard, you know, and so it's something that um, we wanted to have our uh, guidance counselors meeting with somebody every week, giving them the sense of accomplishment that rather than I have to focus on this big goal of getting out of homelessness, man, this week I just have to focus on getting an ID. Step at a time. Step at a time. And that way there's little wins. Right. And that they build back those confidence and they also build back hope because a lot of times people have given up hope, especially when they become chronically homeless, is they've just stopped trusting and they've started just giving up hope so they don't believe it's going to happen. And then when they start to see it, it starts to become real and then they get hungry to to get out of it. Sure. And that becomes a huge driving force, especially right around week three, week four, once they've gotten that 30-day bus pass and they're starting to get out of homelessness, man, it, it, you kind of see a, a fire ignite under it that it's like, okay, this is real. Yeah. Like I, I, this is actually happening. Right. So, Do you help them with uh, as this process goes right along and they get that confidence and they're making money? What about housing? Do you help them with the housing part? Is they, are they going back to shelters with money in their pockets? Or? No. So one of the things we teach them very early on, um, after – about the the first two weeks that they've been working is there's a few paid shelters um, where they're you know like sixty bucks a week where they're guaranteed a bed they're guaranteed a locker um, and we try and initially get them into those type of shelters I see. they're I see. a lot safer they require sobriety um, they're just a better environment and they're stable it's not I have to go get in line at the rescue mission or, or one of the other shelters and wait and hope I get a room if not or get a bed if not I'm going to be outside we want want to give them a sense of stability and then what we do is usually around week four week five once they've got a, a good amount of money saved up through opening a bank account sure, they sure. they're not taking the money around good. with them that's good um but once they've got a, a, a decent amount of money saved up uh, after a couple of paychecks is we try and start looking at renting a room for them and because you know unfortunately a lot of of these people aren't going to be able to afford a place on their own and housing lists are so far out oh yeah it's a problem that, here it's a real you know, problem you're you're looking at you know most of the time 3 months at the earliest but more likely 6 months to a year before you can get you know a housing um and so we want to get them into a place where again they're not spending a ton of money and Fortunately, right now, a lot of people in Denver are looking for roommates. And so that's kind of the direction we go I see. is we start trying to get them into a roommate situation where they're renting a room from somebody because a lot of those places don't require deposits. Or if they do, it's a very small deposit to where they can get in. And now, again, they have a sense of stability. Perfect. So I'm thinking of the title curbside counseling, where you're helping all these people. You're not doing that counseling in a car, or what? what how does no, that work? So where the the name came from is when I first started the program about four years ago. I just started loading up my car with coffee. I would go out and meet guys, you know, on Tuesdays at the rescue mission, Wednesdays at St. Francis Center, Thursdays at the uh, Civic Center Park, and I would literally just serve coffee to the guys and as we were I was serving them coffee I would start talking to them and eventually I would just sit down on the curb with them wherever I was at (laughs) and start talking with them and go okay let's go through this because I found when I met people where they're at 
their defenses came down. I wasn't making them come to my office. I wasn't having them sit, you know, across the desk from me. I was in their environment. So guys were very brutally honest with me, you know, and I'd, I'd have guys, you know, flat out tell me, yeah, I battle with a heroin addiction or that's what got me here. And while I've been sober for three months, man, that's, that's where I'm at. And, or this or that happened. And so I found when I met them where they were at, the guard came down. And so that's the reason why the program got curb, called Curbside yeah, Counseling. Is I like it. <laughs> I was literally talking to them on the curb. In their environment. Yep. Where they're comfortable. Yep. That's a great idea. So I hear all the stuff that you're doing. Everything seems so mobile. You're outside. You're there. You're there. But you've recently started a storefront. Correct. Correct. Why a storefront? What's the importance behind that now? So... Six and a half years ago, almost seven years, I guess it's been about seven years ago now, uh, when we started the Keep Colorado Warm campaign, one of the things that as we did that year after year, and that kind of morphed into a mobile clothing store, one of the things that bothered me is seeing the faces of people as they were shopping in a parking lot or a park. And I just realized there was no dignity behind it. There was no humanity behind it. And so for I had the idea for a couple of years that I wanted to create an actual clothing store where people could come, they could shop, they could get clothing off of a rack or shelf, uh, they could actually try it on in a fitting room, and they could just feel like a normal person. And then so last year, um, early last year, I had the opportunity through a building that we found down in Five Points, because it was very important for me to be within walking distance of the shelters. And we found an opportunity and a building, and uh, that's when we opened Humanity. And Humanity is a clothing store right down off 25th and Welton where three days a week people can come and shop. And they can get clothing. They can get hygiene. They can get blankets. They can get uh, a lot of camping gear. and But they can do it in a humane way. And when you walk in a store, you don't feel like you're in the homeless store. You feel like you're in just a regular store. Sure. You feel sure. like... You know, you're in any other boutique clothing store that you're going to find downtown. And so and that was a driving goal behind that. Um, Amazingly, when I first launched it, we were thinking, okay, we're going to serve about the same amount of people that we were serving with our clothing program, about a thousand people a month. Uh, We serve almost three times that now. Uh, We're about twenty five hundred people a month, uh, only being open three days a week, three days a week, three days a week. We're only open for 12 hours a week and we're serving that many people. We serve roughly about one hundred and fifty to one hundred and seventy five people a day. Oh, my gosh. So the word is obviously out among (laughs) the folks that have. Have the need. Well, and the, the reason being is that there's really not a lot of clothing programs that are designed this way. And, and that's one of the things that makes us unique is you'll find places, you know, like Dress for Success, great organization, but it's tailored towards helping women and it's tailored just helping with interview clothing, which granted that is definitely a need. And I, I think they fill a fantastic, you know, niche. Um, but what if the person needs a winter jacket? What if the person needs something beyond that interview just to survive? And so one of the things we wanted to create was a clothing store where people could not only get interview clothing, cause they can, they can come sure, in, they can get sure. business suits, they can get all types of interview clothing. And, and the great thing about that is they don't have to be part of some type of program. If they come in and they say, Hey, I have an interview later today. Can I get a business suit? Absolutely. We don't require them to do anything right. or, you know, go through anything. Some kind of an ID or something that uh, belongs to some organization. Yeah. They don't need a referral from another organization. They don't need, you know, anything will 
you know, to me, if you have, if you tell me you have an interview that day, I want to make you as successful as possible. I mean, that's the reason why when guys, especially, and it's one of the things that I love most because I used to wear business suits every single day of my life. When guys come in and they're like, you know, I've got an interview later on today. You know, can I get a button up shirt? I'm like, dude, let's get you a suit. Yeah. <laughs> and and I'll, and I'll show them how to wear a suit. And a lot of guys don't know. And I'll show them, you know, how to match up, you know, different things and really make them look good. And it was even funny. One guy came in and he had kind of picked up some mixed matched items. And I was like, all right, let me let me help you out. And by the time I helped him out, when he left the store, he didn't want to take off the suit. He was like, I got to wear this out. <laughs> and so when he left, though, one of the people in line outside of the store actually stopped him and thought he was my attorney. <laughs> and so he was like, hey, can I get some legal advice? And he's like, I'm not an attorney. And he's like, oh. He's like, yeah, I just. But you look like one. Yeah, he did. He looked like one, uh, and he looked like a million bucks. And so, but that's the goal. And so, it's something that we wanted to help those people. But then we also wanted to help people who just like right now, especially we're supposed to get snowed tomorrow. You know, if they need a winter jacket, if they need you know thermals, if they need something that's going to help them live through the day. Um, And that's the other thing is that we wanted to limit it or not limit it to where a lot of places you can only shop there once a month or once a quarter or after you do these certain amount of chore hours or anything else, they can come in and they can shop once a day. Because one of the things people don't realize is if you're homeless, one of the unfortunate realities is your stuff gets stolen all the time. So you might be carrying everything in a backpack or two backpacks and suddenly all of that gets taken from you. And that's honestly the reason why a lot of people don't like staying in shelters is because right. when they stay in shelters, their stuff gets stolen from yeah, them. Yeah, you hear that and, all the time. You know, And so it's something that, you know, I get guys who come in the store all the time who go, man, I don't have anything. Everything I just, you know, had got stolen. Um, or you talk to guys who just, you know, got released, you know, from jail and literally they have nothing and they're going, I got the clothes on me. Um, you know, I've been wearing these same jeans or these same pants for the last week. And so it's something that, um, you know, I don't want to limit those people. I want to make sure they can have access to clothing. And fortunately, we're, we have some amazing donors between just individuals who donate, donate to us, companies, people who do clothing drives and everything else, that we can have enough clothing to, to do those things. Well, and we can service, give people that, that more often. It's, it's fantastic. Travis Thanks. Smith, we've got a few minutes left here. You just talked about donors. A lot of people listening to us today, and they're going, yeah, I want to help them out. How do they help you out? Well, they want to give you money. If they want to give you clothes, yeah. how does that all work? So one of the things I've always kept at the core of Impact, because originally it was started by five guys just pitching whatever they had. And so when we, as we grew, one of the things that I, always, I never forgot was this was funded by the little guy. This wasn't funded by some, I wasn't a millionaire. I wasn't, you know, I was a guy who's just getting by at that point. And so one of the things we are is a member-based nonprofit. So anybody can go on and become a member. Um, They can pick an individual program. So like if they want to become a a member of Humanity, they can do it from anywhere from $10 a month up to $100 a month for an individual. Or if companies want to get involved, they can do it from anywhere from $50 a month up to $500 a month. And they can actually help fund, you know, what we do. That's on the website. Yep, that's on the website. Let's give that website out. Yeah, it's www.impactlocally.org. And, um, you know, it's something that, um, you know, 100% of what is donated goes towards our programs. Um, Both myself, my staff, we're all volunteers. And so it's something. So you're making no money off of this. 
No, I was very fortunate that I built up another company, and then in October of 2015, I sold that company, and that financially set me up enough that I don't really need to make money from what Impact's doing. Um, you know, so it's something that I decided, you know. For right now, I still want to stay a volunteer CEO because I looked at it this year, or I'm sorry, we're in 2019 now. In 2018, I could have decided to take a small salary or I could have opened the humanity store. Well, man, the humanity store is way more worth it than well, me taking a sal. Yeah. So it's it's been good for you. So good for you. So go to the website. Are there phone numbers involved here if they need to call? Yeah, anybody can call. Um, our our website's also. Or I'm sorry, our phone number is also on the website. Uh, but it's seven two zero six two nine two six one nine. Or again, they can go to www.impactlocally.org or follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook. Um, follow us on YouTube. I mean, there's a number of ways people impact can locally. That's yep. the name you need to know. And uh, again, because people listen with half an ear, sometimes the website www.impactlocally.org. And I want to talk quickly here. We got about a minute or so left, and I didn't know this till Travis sat down here. I didn't see this on his website when I was doing my homework. That you're not just in Denver. How many markets are you in now? Uh, currently, we're in ten different cities. Ten cities <laughs> yeah. doing the same projects. How do you keep up? You must have to have really <laughs> special people in every one of these cities like yourself. I have some amazing people, um, you know, and one of the things that I learned a long time ago um, from a couple of people who are friends of mine who ran nonprofits is how to compartmentalize and make it to where people aren't overwhelmed with what they're doing. So we get a lot of people doing one small, you know, thing. And by doing that, we're able to do a lot. That's fantastic. Congratulations. Thanks. I really appreciate it. And anything in the future? What's your next step? Just keep up with what you're doing? Oh, no. Um, there's actually a number of different things that we're looking to do. Um, one of them is in the next two years um, to build our own transitional housing shelter um, and then expand to multiple stores, um, opening multiple humanity stores and expand what those stores are doing Um you know, and uh, so, yeah, there's actually a lot of plans coming up and things to, to look forward to. Well, congratulations on all you're doing. You're helping Appreciate a lot it. of people. Your heart is big. <laughs> and I'm sure all the people that volunteer and work with you are the same. You know, I always tell people it's not that my heart's big. I'm six foot four. It's just proportionate. <laughs> yeah, you so. are big. <laughs> Broncos are looking for linemen. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm good. I played football in college and high school. I've, I've injured my knees enough. <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling for sure. Travis Smith, CEO and founder of Impact Locally, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope this helps get some more people involved and uh, you can help more people. Me too. And thank you all for listening. It's Mile High Magazine. I'm Murphy Houston, and we'll talk to you next week.